0: Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. So in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about marriage, divorce, my family, my career. I'm also going to be talking a lot about cancer, the ups and the downs, everything that I've learned from it. It's going to be a wild ride. So listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all, and for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than Alzheimer's disease. I'm Dana Torrito, a writer and Alzheimer's advocate. On my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, I strive to calm your fears about the disease through thoughtful conversations with experts, care partners, and more. Action is the antidote for fear. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Welcome back to Soul Sessions. I'm Amanda Rieger-Green. Thanks for joining this bonus episode, part two, of an intimate conversation with my sister, Mimi Rieger, a significant person who has held and continues to hold space for me during my journey. Hopefully, I gift her back same sacred space. Wherever you are on your own spiritual or healing journey, I hope this conversation helps give you the confidence, the courage, and the voice to explore your gifts, make amends, face your fears, or take that next step. And whenever I say your voice, I mean your inside voice and your outside voice. But the inside voice of that still small voice within that is connected to something greater, bigger, the divine, being able to harness that, cultivate it, and to speak it. I hope you enjoy the rest of our conversation. The gift of intuition can be lonely. And I had a woman tell me that this morning when I finished my Pilates class, just talking about her personal spiritual development. She wasn't talking about mediumship. She's lost her father and... Her grandmother and her grandmother primarily raised her, and she's going through some some stuff right now. But she says, man, Amanda, the spiritual journey is lonely. She said, it can be very lonely. And and I said to her, I said, I hear you. It is. And she said, so many of my friends don't want to talk about it, don't know how to hold the space. And she said, I enjoy them. But she says, there's a couple of people that I can go to lunch with or a book I can bury myself in about signs and oracles and messages. And she says, I can cry myself to sleep, but I'm not crying tears of pain. I'm crying tears of healing and awakening. And then I know who my audience is. And I can share it with, and I know who it may not be safe with, or it may not be okay with, or it may infringe upon their space or their beliefs. And and I'm not going to do that, but I still get to be their friend. I just can know my audience. So if you're listening, remembering, it is imperative that this journey be done with people who can hold space for you and support you because it is lonely. And I know that's your experience as well, right?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, back 25 years ago telling my, my mom that, you know, I wanted to do a teacher training program and, you know, I was quite young when I did it and I didn't have the money to do it. And I just figured out a way to do it because I didn't want to ask them for the money for the tuition, but I knew that's exactly where I needed to be and what I was going to do with my life because it changed my life so significantly. It was that important for me to like get the training like immediately so I could just start walking the path. But this is many years ago before, you know, yoga was mainstream, before it was like really. Like- yes.
3: And you lived in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. which just if you think about the temperature and the intensity of the climate and the the pragmatic, very masculine. I mean, D.C. is a masculine, intense, mm-hmm. very locked down energy. So we're talking the 90s where there might have been a handful of yoga teachers or studios that were holding space and you taking that bold step and it. Also being, I'm not going to say misunderstood, but not received as easily. Yeah. So for you. Or legitimately
4: yeah. or as. Legitimately. As, as a, that's a good word. Yeah. As a legitimate career. That's Legitimate's not really the word, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like just, I can't think of the exact word that I would like to use, but wow, how th- how things have changed though. Yeah. Yeah. And And so
3: just encouraging anyone out there. To stick close to your people, and you don't need 10 people, one person, two people who hold the space for you to discover yourself and share your highs, lows, and everything in between can be exponentially illuminating and evolutionary. And that's what you have been for me in this journey. And we get to continue to be together. Your mom comes through. So you're. I walked through what year did, how many years has it been now? What year did your mom pass away? Four years. That's what I thought. Four years. Mimi and her mother were best friends Mm -hmm. and each other's people. (laughs) You know, each other's people. I'm going to go back to that terminology. But walking through her, and she had been through, she was a fighter, and also a strong woman and a dignified woman. Gosh, your mom was dignified and strong and determined to live. Mm to live through and to live fully, mm-hmm. even in a lot of disease and pain, anything that she was faced with, she faced it in a way like with, I just, when I think of your mom and when I, gosh, when I feel her, because I do right now, yeah. it's like shoulders back, chin up and, and she looks beautiful. And she's like, and look pretty, yeah. you know, of course we, yeah. <laughs> She like, and pull it together and look good, you yeah. know, which resonates with both of us. But When we were in that last year of your mother's life and me coming back into your life and us reforming and strengthening our bond, all of that is divine because as a result of that, our mothers got to do some, I would say, pretty tremendous healing Mm -hmm. through that phase. And I think it was ushered through not only with the two of us, but our other siblings in holding the space um, that we didn't even know we were holding, but the love that we were regenerating together really created a, an opportunity for our mothers to see each other and to create a different kind of healing and respect and love. And um, I think both of them, you know, and I, I know this because we've talked about it, but they wanted us to be with each other, not apart. Yes. And I mean all of our siblings, not just me, me, and I, but all of our siblings. But getting to walk through your mother's illness and watching you in all your pain and your strength and, I don't know, the trauma of it and the beauty of it. She has come through numerous times along the way to deliver messages through me and through others, of course. But when, like, I'm trying to remember, she showed up recently because we had a, a moment recently where we were just on the phone and she showed up with another tangible experience. And my eye is twitching right now, so I don't know what she's telling me with that, but all of a sudden it started twitching. But what are some of the memories you have around that and, and experiences with walking through The death of your mother and then leaning into the death of my mom.
4: Yeah. Well, I I mean, I will say this because I I think it's important to just just to, to establish this, that, you know, my mom over the years had, you know, had three different types of cancer and that sort of thing. And so I remember we were in Costa Rica. We were at my one of my retreats. You were there with me and we were sitting I was having a reading. We're sitting by the water, and you said— By the
3: way, we're going to come back to Costa Rica because aliens will enter the picture. Just, I'm just going to throw that bomb out there because we're going to come back to Costa Rica after we're talking about the dense, intense family stuff, and we're going to go back to UFO and craft because Mimi held the space for me <laughs> to, to experience— Extraterrestrials. Okay, go, let's go back to your, your mom is like, Amanda, get back to the, yeah, get, get back, back to, to the Right. Get back to these important yeah. things, Amanda.
4: So you, we were having a reading and, you know, I mean, my, my greatest fear all my entire life is that my mom, you know, was going to die and I was just, how was I going to survive without her? Like I lived with that angst from the first time that she had cancer when I was 16, all the way to, you know, when she passed away, you know, at 85. So I remember you saying, you looked at me and you said, everything's going to be okay. But your mom, you're going to go to Houston and spend a lot of time in Houston with your mom this spring and everything's going to be okay with work. You're going to be able to like, you know, your classes will be fine. Everything's going to be fine there, but you are going to be spending quite a bit of time in Houston with your mom. And I remember saying, you know, is she going to, and you said, well, I don't know. I don't think that's, I don't see that right now. But I think that you just need to make arrangements to be able to have a very fluid schedule to spend time with your mom, you know, this, this spring. And so that's exactly what happened. And from there, I remember it was at my niece's, our our niece's wedding party. And my mom, that was her last big hoorah. That was one of her goals to go to that um, engagement party. And she went and she, you know, just was gracious and lovely. And And, you know, just so, so such a fighter and just did such a great job just being there because it was hard as hell. You know, it was very hard for her to get there. She was asleep on the back of my aunt's car on the way over, like from Houston to Baton Rouge. It was not a good thing, but that was her. That's what she wanted to do. So we did it. And I remember you taking me aside in the little store where we were and you said, I just want you to know it's not going to be very long. Like you had a really good way of like kind of giving me just that the 411, you know, so to speak, the spiritual 411, that things were close and you felt like you knew that you needed to let me know that even though inherently I knew it. I mean, I, we all knew it, but it was yeah. just how imminent was it? And, you know, and I think that, I mean, that is the greatest gift that I think anyone could be given if their parent is not well, or a loved one is not well, to just have someone tenderly say, you know, you've got a little bit more time, but spend it really wisely. Like, know, you know, know this, like trust this, that this is, you know, and I think, I, I just can't imagine not having that conversation with you, you know? Thank you for sharing that because one of the things
3: that it brings up, so many of us are driven and we're busy and life happens and is always constant. And, we come from some stock of drive. Like we are, we are very hardwired to show up, to work, to be, to get done. And a lot of times we forget to reprioritize family or what's important and trust that we will be safe. The money will be there. We will be taken care of. Work will be there if we need to take off. And I know that resonates with a lot of people. And it was as much of a message to you as it was to me about what do I prioritize when something difficult is happening? Am I able to stop work or put things on hold or reschedule things and make the time and trust that, that nobody's going to be mad or upset or if they are, that's their stuff, not mine, you know, and as long as I'm showing up and being accountable and communicating, but to make that space. And I remember, I remember on my heart telling you that because it was coming through so boldly but it was like I have to tell her this because she wants to be able to be there and spend that time and it's not about having regrets but it was like just being a divine messenger and it's not me it's spirit coming through and it's it's heeding that call of delivering those kinds of messages that are delicate when you're talking about death and illness You know, when I'm on the phone with clients regarding divorce or um, if a child is sick or a pet, I mean, there are things that come through and I think, God, give me the strength. How do I say this? How do I deliver it? But they always, when I say they, I mean, the consciousness of the person I'm talking to, my guides, the collective consciousness, God, all of that comes through and they speak through me. They give me the words or the time or the environment to be able to usher it in the best way possible. And then what the person does with it, that's their business. That's their opportunity, not mine. And being able to say those things to you. And then I watched you take time off to show up. And it I know that it was because I've just walked through it. Mm-hmm. The same. I did. And and then here's what to me is mind-blowing. Because I the way I watched you take time off, make sacrifices that were of utmost importance, you know, prioritizing your mom and your time and and going to Houston and being there for doctor's appointments and all of the things that ensue and terminal illness, I was able in turn to do that here, you know, a year and a half ago when Dennis and I were in Belize and my mom's illness had, which she had a terminal illness, but she had been doing so well, but when things shifted and, and when they shifted, they shifted fast. And I didn't handle it all the best in that time. And I think it brings out some of the, the most challenging parts of us, death does, and caring for a, a terminally ill person, whether it's a parent, a spouse, a child, a grandparent, a, who, whomever it is, it can bring out some of the most terrifying aspects of ourselves and some of the most beautiful aspects. But you paved the way for me to be able to drop everything, move back and hold space for my mom um, in that last year of her life. And so it's interesting, back to the parallel experiences, how watching you walk through that gave me the cliff notes, for lack of better words, to summon the same courage.
4: Don't you
0: love an extra $100 in your pocket?
1: And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality, Lisa Gibbons. Action
3: is the antidote for fear.
1: And nurse and dementia researcher, Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share
0: our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other.
1: Listen to The Memory Whisper on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. You may know me from, let's see, 90210, Charmed, Mallrats, Heathers. Probably also know me from my stage four cancer diagnosis and sharing that journey with so many of you. There's something so authentic about a podcast. It's me connecting, me talking raw in the moment. That's what my goal is to give you to talk about why I feel that cancer, to a certain extent, is a gift. What my responsibilities are as a person with cancer. Because I think that there's something so much bigger than me. And to be honest, I'm still trying to find out what that is. And maybe together, we'll find it. It's going to be a wild ride. So I hope that you all tune in. Listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts
3: interesting back to the parallel experiences how watching you walk through that gave me the cliff notes for lack of better words to summon the same courage with my own fears about work or money or priorities and and all of that stuff just falls into place.
4: I will say this like you know just how the I would say you know we were talking about you know the messages that you can convey to others, but it's really a a gift that keeps on giving because, you know, watching you go through it and then, you know, going through it myself with my mom and I'll just be sitting, you know, outside of a class with students and, you know, what people are talking about, you know, challenges with their family, challenges with their mom, someone's ill, this and this. And I mean, whether it's the right thing to do or not, I just feel very called to say, do whatever you can to spend this time with your person, whomever it is. You know what I mean? And it, it might, I might be overstepping, but I feel like kind of like you, I most of the time know that it's the right thing to do because it, it it feels right. And it's usually very well received because I'm speaking from my heart. It's not like I'm saying, you know, go spend time with these people, you horrible person. You know, it's more like, This is what you want to do because you don't want to miss these tender, sweet moments. And I remember saying that to you, just, just go and do nothing, get in the bed and watch old movies and laugh. Yeah.
3: And we did so much of that, you know, like she, we, and I did, I was able to do that, you know, and, um, and even, and Sally, our oldest sister, she, you know, she works and does things and multitask like I do. She's like, Amanda, just get in the bed and don't bring your computer with you. Yeah. You know, when I was watching it, cause I would watch tea with mom and cause I'd want to be in there with her. And I'd be like, mom, I've got to answer some emails, but I'm right here. And Sally would be like, Amanda, get in the bed and don't bring the computer, yeah. you know, get in the bed and bring the computer sometimes. Cause you want to be with her and she wants you to be there too. But, but get in the bed and just be in the bed and watch be TV present, and be
4: all the way be present. present,
3: be all the way present because those memories, and I, I sit in her bedroom all the time, you know, and I mean, there's a couple of shows that have come out where she, she was so funny. One of them is Only Murders in the Building, the Hulu show with Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez. And she said, Amanda, I mean, I cannot believe the audacity of them to finish up this season and not release a new one. Don't they know I'm dying? Yeah. And <laughs> she said that. She said, I mean, like when it was over season two, she says, don't they know that I'm not going to be here for season three? Couldn't have they have taped it earlier? And it's funny because it's out now. And I go sit in her room and I sit all the way down. And I sit there with my little snack or whatever I'm doing, and I just sit in there. And sometimes I cry and I laugh and all the things, but it's those tender moments, like you said, that that's part of the grief process mm-hmm. and the healing process and the the con- divine connection. And it, it you know, is making me think about leading up to my mother's death, which I mentioned to you all earlier, I absolutely could not have walked through what I walked through in caring for my mom the last year of her life without my husband and my siblings uh, because they showed up at exactly the right moment when I asked or didn't ask and they showed up unconditionally and I knew to ask them for help and ask them to intervene and I was raw and I was exhausted and I was messy and I was afraid but everyone showed up in ways... To support support that journey, so it could be divine, painfully divine in a way. So thank you for that, you know, and thank you for sharing those those tender moments. And you know, I know that um, you know, and I want to share this because it, it is kind of funny. I remember, I don't know, like in the last six months of my mom's life, she kept having dreams about your mother. Mm-hmm like very poignant dreams about your mom and and they would they would be these dreams where they would be sharing a meal together and they'd be like splitting a hamburger yeah. like they would be cutting a hamburger and splitting it and and two of the dreams that my mom had both times they were having meals and both times their meals were interrupted by other people one time it was like they were in your mom's home and some of your mom's friends were there and mom was there and they she was cooking a hamburger which is so hysterical because (laughs) you and my mom was loving that your mother was cooking a hamburger like you know all of these things but that she cut it and and they were splitting it and one of the women was like I can't believe that you're just letting her eat off of your plate and your mom jumped to and said "Ah, mind your own business we do this all the time we always share a hamburger And, and then mom had another dream and they were so vivid. And she said that it was like, they were living in like an assisted living or an independent living space. And they were in the dining hall and the dining room together. And our mothers were sitting together and there was some gentleman that would not, was hitting on my mom and wouldn't leave her alone. And, and mom kept saying, no, I don't no, Thank you. You know, no, you can leave. I'm having my lunch right now. and, And the man wouldn't leave. And finally, your mom said, did you hear her? She said, leave. Like, so it's in those kind of do you remember me telling you those stories about and then mom was saying, yeah, like, I keep dreaming about your mother. And it was like your mother was there taking care of or protecting my mom in some sort of way. And that is not the dynamic that those two women had that both were madly in love with the same man right? Our father, you know, at, at different stories and different times, but it was healing because I think, and to be able to share those stories and not have to explain them or feel weird sharing them, but it was really healing. And also it was like, yeah, their souls have known each other for a long time, or I don't think they would have agreed to play these, these roles that were so painful and intimate and tragic and traumatic. But it was like their souls were fusing back together and coming back together and they were bonded in some sort of way. And I believe that fully on the other side, that there's a very deep soul connection between the two of them. And I believe that with people because I see it oftentimes, protagonist or antagonist in our lives, people where we have the most dysfunction, tragedy, trauma, pain are often souls. And I don't mean this all the time. We have some psychopaths and sociopaths out there and and people who are you know, extremely abusive. So I'm not giving spiritual bypassing, uh, you know, a spiritual pass to anybody. But I do believe that some of the people where we can experience the deepest sources of pain are souls that are so deeply bonded that we trust them to play out their experiences for their lessons and give us the space to learn our lessons. And to me, there was a lot of full circle energy spiritually, like walking between the worlds that was happening there.
4: Does that resonate with you? No, it absolutely does. And I, I will say that I think that, I mean, the way that I see it is that they're on their own little their own little unique club, those two. They had their yeah. similar and different experiences with the same, um, the same man. But I do think that the fact that they were able to see each other together and they were in, you know, in a, you know, at a get together um a party and they were able to like see each other and spend time with each other energetically and in person. And I think the way that I read what you're mentioning is my mom was just trying to establish like, Hey, I'm here. I've got your back. Like I've got you. Yeah. I'm on the other side, but I'm here and you know, I see you and I'll be here when the time comes, you know, like I, I got you.
3: Yeah. This is mind blowing, miraculous stuff. And I'm sharing these very intimate family, personal experiences that have been the deep source of a lot of pain. For my sister and I and our other siblings and our parents, lots of dysfunction, confusion, misunderstanding, things handled very poorly on the parts of our parents in their own ways because they're human beings, right? Our parents are humans just like we are. But getting to see healing at end of life it's something that I don't even know how to explain the gift that it gives, but I know that it resonates. Absolutely. One of the things that <laughs> I want to, I know, I know there's, there are so many stories and I, I know we shared shared a handful, a lot of information with everyone today, but I do want to talk about extraterrestrials yeah. because, because just like, Spirits coming through that first time I was in DC, and they've they always come through. I mean, we always have stories anytime we're together or apart, we we have stories that really fuse and intertwine and lift us up and amaze us, but. Years ago, Mimi Mimi hosts multiple retreats every year internationally, but one that is a long-standing retreat is in Costa Rica, and it's in the most beautiful place, and it is simply luxurious and tropical, and it's a pretty magical place in Costa Rica on the Osa Peninsula. It's called Blue Osa, but we were there, and this was my first time coming to Blue Osa for the retreat. And we had this amazing – because Mimi hosts a retreat and we had this amazing room, this penthouse room that had a pitched ceiling, like this big pitched ceiling. And, of course, you know, I'm there and we're talking about gifts and spiritual to get gifts. And and at this time I had already left my corporate job, I believe, and was doing what I do with soul pathology and readings and making it my my avocation, my full-time job. But I remember – And I think I had mentioned to you, I don't know how it all came about, but I remember looking up in the night sky, and I had already been having visitors.
1: Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action
0: is the antidote for fear.
1: And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to
0: speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other.
1: Listen to the memory whisper on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. You may know me from, let's see, 90210, Charmed, Mallrats, Heathers, probably also know me from my stage four cancer diagnosis and sharing that journey with so many of you. There's something so authentic about a podcast. It's me connecting, me talking raw in the moment. That's what my goal is to give you. To talk about why I feel that cancer, to a certain extent, is a gift. What my responsibilities are as a person with cancer. Because I think that there's something so much bigger than me. And to be honest, I'm still trying to find out what that is. And maybe together, we'll find it. It's going to be a wild ride. So I hope that you all tune in. Listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless. From the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic, I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: And I think I had mentioned to you, I don't know how it all came about, but I remember looking up in the night sky, and I had already been having visitors visit me in Texas, on our property in Texas, and, and I was getting contact from from ships and I would see them in our backyard. We had a couple of acres just outside of Austin and I could see the night sky clearly. I would look up and I would see craft in the sky and they wouldn't be stars and they would be moving and they would be signaling laser beams. So all of this was going on. I go on this trip to Costa Rica and of course I'm we're in Costa Rica and I look up at the night sky after dinner one night and there there are a couple of craft And I didn't say anything to anyone publicly. I just see the craft, whatever. So we get up to our room and we're, you're reading, of course, you have the light on and you're, you know, totally engrossed in a book. And I am sitting there in bed, just looking for the extraterrestrials and the spacecraft that I had already seen at dinner out our window. And you're asking me what I'm doing. And the next thing you know, I'm perched next to the window. You have to tell this story. Because then it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Well, it's
4: like someone, like a kid waiting for Santa Claus. It's honestly like that as like the excitement <laughs> that the, like just the jubilation of the expectation of something that you've been wishing and hoping for all your life is about to happen. You know what I mean? It's so <laughs> yeah. So I remember you, I'm, I'm reading and I remember you just kind of very elegantly slip off the bed and like get on your <laughs> hands and knees and start looking underneath like one of the windows. Just to be clear, when we say penthouse, it's literally like a tree house on the top floor. We're on the top floor, is like a big yeah. tree house. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's not like some cement, something. It's like we're in, we're in the jungle, like full on with open air and availability for all sorts of creatures to come into the room. So that's for another day. But anyway, so talking about these creatures. So anyway, so she is literally on her hands and knees with her little hands like on the on the windowsill, like looking up. I see them. I see them. They're there. I'm like, what's happening right now? And you said, I see the crap. They're signaling me. And I said, well, what are they saying? You're like, well, they're signaling me and I said, Well, just let me know what I should tell everybody when they take you. I'll I'll give the <laughs> message back to everybody. What should we say? You know, like I wasn't freaked out. I was like, Well, if you're gonna go, I need to know how to let, let people know this has happened. Cause I need to have like the right delivery so people don't think I'm insane. That, you know, yeah, it was the cutest thing. Yeah.
3: Well, and you also said too, you said, I'll be sure and tell everybody. You'll be back. You're not going to be estranged from us again. You're just, you've gone up into a craft with your people, but you'll be back and you'll tell us what's going on, that you're not peacing out of our lives again, that I have witnessed this. So I get back in bed. And here's what here's the crazy part about it. I get back in bed and and again what you hear is Mimi just unapologetically without hesitation holding space. Instead of saying Amanda get back in bed or you're ridiculous, there was never any of that. It was like, "Okay, well if you're talking to their, your people, what are they saying?" and okay, and it what you weren't placating me either. I mean, you were curious and believed, but also like, "Okay, well this is happening." So I get back in bed. And I turned my little reading light out, and you're still reading, and then I think you turned yours out at some point. And do you remember the room illuminating from the inside out? Yeah. When you talk about that, because that's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, just the lights. It was pitch black. Remember, we are somewhere where there... You know, there's limited electricity and energy. There are no lights in the sky. So everything, when it's dark, when you turn the lights out, it is pitch black there. You know, you can't see your hand in front of your face.
4: So there's like this translucent, translucent flooding of light that starts coming in and like kind of dancing around. and
3: The room illuminated and you basically said, did you see that? And I said, yeah. I saw it like I did because it was like the room lit up from the inside out versus the outside in yeah. and nothing there was not electricity. It was luminous. Yeah. It was translucent and it was it was kind of like lightning, but luminescent. And I don't know how to explain it, but they came in and they were signaling. I don't think they were physically there. It just was energy. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. It was energy in them signaling. So I remember the next morning we go down and we're talking to a couple of friends who are the most unlikely of candidates to embrace this story but we're both kind of blown away by what has gone on and happened and the next thing we know one of you know your good friends my dear friends now basically says oh yeah we were in that room last year and this was happening and i knew there was weird stuff going on i knew and the next thing you know the whole dialogue starts and by that evening at dinner we had a telescope out and everyone is looking for craft and we saw them in the sky do you remember we have we literally have telescopes we have we have you know basically implored all the people and everybody and so everyone who is curious about this is out there in the night sky looking at the craft moving and signaling and they were there and people witnessed
4: all of this. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a very unique retreat for sure.
3: Yes. <laughs> it was it was and and it was basically an introduction. This is my sister. Yeah. Welcome. welcome. She brought yeah. she brought her friends with us and and nothing happened from that. It wasn't like anybody had some download of information, but what it was was this kind of coming together and this curiosity and seeing beings in from other dimensions coming into our reality and craft and we had someone there by the way who you know another dear friend of ours who was saying okay I I'm not sure about this but okay you're right this isn't showing up on the like we were we had a um, an application on the phone where you could look at the stars and it would name the stars and he's like well I will validate that this isn't showing up (laughs) so we had you know All of the things. I want to go back to one other story, just because these are so fun to share. And I hope you all are enjoying these stories and getting not only laughter and joy from this, but curiosity and what comes through safe space and camaraderie in whatever you're exploring, whatever you believe because it really is about getting curious and expanding consciousness, uh, and and I, like I said, I don't I don't necessarily I do know different today about um, those beings and connections that I've had and what they're signaling, and I've had different interactions with them that is much more evolved today. Because living in Belize, they would show up quite a bit, or craft would, and and the interactions were a little bit more personal and dynamic. But I will say this: so you and our sister Anne had come to visit. My husband and I, Dennis and I, you all were in Texas. And the home that we lived in in Texas, we had a a ghost. (laughs) We had a ghost. And we literally had a ghost. There was a gentleman who had died on the property where we lived prior to us moving there. And his name was Harry. That was actually his name. And before, right when we moved into the property, he made contact with me and I was able to put the puzzle pieces together and he had had a heart attack in the yard our neighbors I had I told my husband about this our neighbors validated the whole story they were digging some new electrical lines and he he was 38 and had a heart attack it was he left a wife and three children it was it was very tragic sudden and unfortunate but anyway, his name was Harry, and he would show up, and his it was almost as if his spirit was really stuck. It wasn't. It was stuck. I know. It was very—he would show up, too, as an apparition, and I don't always see spirits as apparitions, but he would show up. I would see him out of the corner of my eye, and he would never cause harm. He was quite protective over the property and actually over me. But anyway, you and Anne come to visit, and Dennis and I are relaying stories about Harry we are telling you about how Harry shows up, about him opening cabinets and leaving them open, about him running off. We had two housekeepers that he ran off. So they might have, I mean, it it was uh, lots of things were going on with Harry. So Dennis and I are telling you these stories and I, and I think it was Anne. We're sitting there just all kind of curled up talking. And do you remember this?
4: Well, I know, I can't remember what he says, but he's, he it came through on your phone or Anne's phone.
3: Yeah. Yeah, on my phone. So we're sitting there, and Anne says, well, Amanda, how does he show up? And immediately after she said that, and my phone was sitting, like, on the coffee table, away from all of us. I don't have Siri on my phone. I have all of those, all of that turned off. So I don't even have Siri on my phone turned on capabilities. And this is years ago, by the way. This is probably 2016. I was going to like, Many seven years wise. ago. Yeah, yeah, like it's been a while, twenty seventeen, and literally, she says, "How how does he show up? How does he how does he communicate?" Is what she asks. How does he communicate? And literally, the phone in a man's voice very clearly says, "I think therefore I am." Yeah, I mean, so there you go. The answer. I mean, this is the most paranormal thing I've ever had happen, and it's Dennis, my husband, my sister Anne, our sister Anne, Mimi. And I, and we're all sitting there and the phone is, none of us can reach the phone. None of us have touched the phone. My Siri is not even on. How does he communicate? I think, therefore, I am, which is energy. Like that is, you know, the definition of energy. And we all sat there for about a minute in silence, just staring. And you are the one that broke the silence and said, "Um, did anybody else hear that? (laughs) And we are all just floored at the experience um, because it it is one of the wildest paranormal experiences I've ever had. But anyway, uh, I I wanted to share that. And I want to thank you for being here and holding space and for allowing us, you know, allowing this time to be able to talk about sensitive and personal things, but also experiences that are divine, that are spiritual, that are healing. I want to talk a little bit about you. So I mentioned to everyone, my sister is a yoga instructor in D.C. She hosts retreats, uh, amongst other things. She is uh, an incredible entrepreneur. But you de- just did your death doula certification training. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because it's becoming more prominent. And if, you, if, if you're if you out there and you haven't heard about this, just like there's a birth doula, you can be a doula helping people Bring babies into the world, ushering them in, holding space for the family. It's becoming more commonplace and accepted. We uh, there is death doula training, and you, as a result of what you talk about, it tell me tell me how that flourished in your
4: heart and and then your training a little bit. Sure. Um. So, you know, from all of that wonderful, invaluable time that I spent with my mom and her last, you know year of life. Like I mentioned, it was just such a gift. And something that I didn't ever really think that would be the most beautiful thing that I've ever witnessed. I thought it would be the most terrifying thing that I'd ever witnessed and the saddest thing. It yeah. Actually it was like the most fulfilling one of the most fulfilling things that's ever happened to me. And very validating because not only am I still here and doing okay, I'm doing well. And I feel like, you know, because of your gifts, I'm able to stay in touch with her and and know that she's, you know, right by my side but also it made me realize that, you know, dying is beautiful and it's so important that the process of dying and I just feel like it has such a taboo. I don't know. It's just, it's just not well, well received in, in our culture. And this uh, my journey to the death duel, I'd been wanting to do it for two or three years. And I finally have um, found the time to actually do it where I could commit to it and really like make it part of like, my next step, my next chapter in my life. Um, but it was one of the things where, you know, I did all the coursework and I read the books and did all the things. But when I went there, it was like, I already knew everything. And that's when, you know, when you know you're in the right place, mm-hmm. when when it is all so natural, where, you know, it, it it's not challenging. It's not It's not difficult to do all the homework that, you know, hours and hours and hours of homework. I couldn't wait. I mean, I was driving around town with my windows down listening to, you know, books on dying. Everybody else is like listening to music and blah, blah, podcasts. And I'm like rolling around D.C., like listening to like really... An intense Mormon <laughs> stuff, and having the greatest day of my life. That's like me. I
3: listen to I listen to those things all the time, and it, it I am just making spiritual connections left and right, and it feeds my soul. And it can be something extremely intense or sensitive. And I am finding so much clarity and meaning and connecting dots. One of the things you just said that I want to go back to as well is that the thing that you thought would be the most terrifying was one of the most beautiful things in your life, and that is your mother dying. And yes, it has the pain and the loss attached to it, but the thing that you would be the most terrified of ended up being something that not only was beautiful, but opened up deeper gifts within your soul that you have been connecting the dots through and in.
4: Yeah. And, and and I think that, you know, what I mentioned about like saying something to some of the students about, you know, spend this time with your, you know, with your loved one, that sort of thing. But I don't think that if, if, if I wouldn't have reconnected with you, and this will just kind of bring it all the way home. Yeah. If I had not reconnected with you and, and had the opportunity to, to, for you to, you know, be in the process and actually pretty much just forecast that was what was going to happen with my mom and and the timing and that sort of thing it gave me the grace to be able to prepare for it but it also gave me a lot of tools that I think that I needed in order to be able to to handle it but to be able to find the beauty in it and and be able to like share that with others like to want to be able to speak to people about don't you want your loved one to have the best death possible Don't you want to have them feel celebrated and seen and taken care of, but also, you know, have them have a voice in the way that they live in the the very last days of their lives or months of their lives, you know, help them have a plan, help them have a way to have dignity and, and, and instead of go out with this sense of sadness or more of a sense of celebration. You know, if I were listening to myself 25 years ago, like who is this? You know, what is this person saying? But like, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. It is a lot. Of, it's been a journey, and all, it was so effing hard. I mean, it really was so yeah hard. You know, but it was also so unbelievably beautiful at the same time, and it, and it brought my 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 siblings and you closer together because I mean, you know, it was such a significant a significant loss in our family.
3: So many people out there listening, I hope that this gives you the space to be able to love the people you love and love them well and show up when you, you know that these, the, the time is imminent or someone needs you, whether it's that dire or at the end or not. But even in bringing, bringing this full circle, when our father died, he died very traumatically and tragically. And I witnessed that. It was not beautiful. It was none of those things. And I got to experience the painfully beautiful, divine time of death with my mother. Yeah. So it was like it, I've seen both sides of that. And I've I've had quite a few people die that are close to me in my life you know, and mostly my, you know, my core family. And so getting to walk through that and hear that from you and then repeat it myself and be on the other side of it, it's still so many experiences keep unfolding, keep showing up to illuminate my path, to illuminate your path and it's beautiful to share that space together and this intimacy, but also to share it with other people in whatever you're walking through and ever, however, this relates to you or what you have on your heart or what's pressing in your family or in your environment. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being my sister, my person who I want to be when I grow up still. Raising. Yeah, delighted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Where can people find you?
4: I have a website, Mimi Rieger Yoga. Um, Instagram, same thing, Mimi Rieger Yoga. I have a sweet little small studio in D.C. If you want to practice in person, retreats um, two or three upcoming in the next year. More to come after that. I'm always, I feel like, just trying to do something new, looking into new things. So I think I'm going to, you know, press pretty hard into the into the end of life part of my chapter, you know, moving forward.
3: Absolutely. And I I can't wait to see what unfolds. I'm curious and I'm excited and I'm right here to support you in that. And I encourage anybody out there, uh, if you are in the D.C. area or you are wanting to go on a beautifully curated, soulful experience with a little bit of body work and breath work through yoga and movement, a lot of laughs. Good food, good times, new community built. Check out my sister's book of offerings because they are rich and enriching and will change your life. MimiRiegerYoga.com. I love you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming and being vulnerable and willing to share parts of our story. I hope that they've helped everyone else and go have an amazing day. Everyone out there, thank you for joining me And if you have comments or feedback, please be sure to reach out. Reach out on Instagram, soulpathology.com, or you can email me podcast at soulsessions.me. Be sure to like, follow, and share with anybody you think this might uplift, touch, or expand. Take care.
0: Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. So in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about marriage, divorce, my family, my career. I'm also going to be talking a lot about cancer, the ups and the downs, everything that I've learned from it. It's going to be a wild ride. So listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all, and for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than Alzheimer's disease. I'm Dana Torrito, a writer and Alzheimer's advocate. On my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, I strive to calm your fears about the disease through thoughtful conversations with experts, care partners, and more. Action is the antidote for fear. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.